Dear diary, mood, apathetic. My life is spiraling downward. I couldn't get enough money to go to the Blood Red Romance and Suffocate Me Dry concert. It sucks because they play some of my favorite songs like Stab My Heart Because I Love You and Rip Apart My Soul and of course... Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Swans Bigfooty Podcast. My name is Bonds. Joining me today we have Von. Bonjour. And joining us to the podcast for the very first time, may I introduce you all to Mark P. G'day guys and girls, how we going? I'm sure the guys and girls are doing fine. Um, we're coming off a rather, oh, actually an incredibly disappointing win over Collingwood, which sounds really weird in my head because we all love watching any opportunity to see Eddie Maguire cry. Constant props to the person who had Eddie Maguire crying banner in the um, crowd, well done. It was a tragic morning event, obviously, with a Luke Parker injury. Vaughn, do you want to take us away with the latest update on Parker? And let us know if you've been able to kiss it better. Okay, um, as I said to you earlier, um, I haven't kissed it better. I've done another four-letter word that isn't exactly kiss. But <laughs> um, Anyway, moving on from that. Yeah... Obviously, when um, it was just a very confusing game for me, Collingwood, as a few of you know, is um, my second team, which is really weird, and I have the biggest crush on the Brown brothers. So for Nathan Brown to hit Luke Parker, who then like fractured his um, uh, his fibula, and then to have Heedy fracture his rib was like my world exploding. So yeah, it wasn't a very good night for me. Uh, okay, well, uh, going on to a serious point of view about the game, it was a very much a game that came in ebbs and flows. Um, it was surprising hearing John Longmire say after the game, in his opinion, it was our best win of the season due to everything that was going down. I mean, we lost Layla halfway through the game, and if we lose him for uh, one or two weeks, that's a huge loss as he's been incredibly important to our team all year. Lost Parker, we had Rowan playing with a sore knee and massive props to his knee and to Rowan as well in the third quarter. A couple of really handy goals and great marks. Um, He's probably the best disposal in our team right now. We had Heaney playing sore and I think a few others were as well. So it was actually, in hindsight, there were goods and bads to the performance. Our disposal efficiency on the weekend was, yet again, quite in other words, shit. Um, we're overusing it by hand, which I don't have as much of an issue with as I don't think some other posters on the board do. I don't think we have the foot skills to do a predominantly kicking game. I think we need to refer back to some form of run-and-gun style of football, similar to how we played in 2012. Looks like we're trying to get that going on a counter-attack against Collingwood, and our disposal efficiency and gut-running just really let us down. That being said, props to Collingwood. They did push us quite hard at times, and I don't think we did too bad a job in defence either. We let in a couple of soft goals in the first half, but our defensive efforts on Cloak and Reed were quite superb. Usually we struggle with the taller forwards this year, so well done to Grundy and Richards. Um, Mark P, what well, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, look, I was actually a bit surprised, like you, uh, that Horse said what he said after the game with the with the whole one of our best wins of the season. Um, I, I I get where he's coming from, but 
I tell you what, half you know, up to half time, um, I was getting ready to uh, to start burning the burning the club room down because that was insipid. It was and and boring and and I guess I, yeah, we, we, winning ugly is something that the Swans have done for a long time, and you can get used to it. And um, but playing poorly, playing boring, playing um, gutless football. Just mucking around, kicking it up the line. It was. It, it did not look good. It did not feel good. And when you get down to it, Collingwood are a, you know, bottom half of the table side. Uh, all the sides that have beaten them pretty much have beaten us, though. So in a way, you could say it was sort of the meeting of equals. Yeah, we just happened to get over some of the lesser lights, and Collingwood's just been beaten by them. But wow, you know, up to half time, I thought, what the hell is going on? Yeah, after half time. Yeah, Labor went off. Poor old, uh, poor old Parker got smashed. But um, you know, it's still what while it was was gutsy in inverted commas. While we kept going, while we didn't lie down like the Richmond game. Geez, we got a bit lucky too in that third quarter. You know, if things had gone Collingwood's way. Uh, you know, they kicked a little bit straighter. If uh, Pendles, who I thought had one of the worst games I've ever seen play, you know, if he'd played all right, we could have been in all sorts of trouble. And that could have been season over, in as much as if we're not top four by the end of uh, by the end of it, we've got no chance of winning it. Obviously, as, as most others don't. But you know that that was line ball, and I don't think uh, I don't think this team should be line ball against opposition like Collingwood. All due respect to them, they're an up and coming side, but they're they're not in the race, nor should they be. Collingwood aren't half. They're not as bad as their ladder position like suggests they are. Like okay. They've been very competitive against a lot very of the better teams. Very competitive. Against Hawthorne, they were actually unlucky to lose. Um, against a lot of the other teams I've seen, like they, to say they played admirable football is really kind of stretching it. They really should have won. And they like 11th doesn't really fully encapsulate just how good they have been. But that being said, at the end of the day, you know, you don't, you can't really have eight unlucky losses in a row without there being an issue. So, you know, whether or not their ladder position is actually deserved, it's pretty damn concerning that we played like we did. Like, even in 2006 and five and seven, when all the other teams thought we were as boring as batshit, um, there was still, like, some structure and some method to the boring as batshit. That's but exactly right. That's like like last night or whatever ever night it was was actually just like it was actually just shit. Like I genuinely, I was actually getting drunk by myself in my living room, which actually happens a bit more than it should. But yeah, so Wednesday night for me. Yep. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's 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 appalling. Like. You know, as a Swans fan, like, I don't really mind if we lose games because we're not good enough, but we have a midfield who, you know, is, is probably not as good as people think it is, but it's still pretty damn good. And I'm not pointing to the midfield specifically, but I'm just saying that we have all these big names that should be exciting and, and should be this, and, and it was so fucking boring that I just cannot wrap my head around it how many handballs there were and um, I thought it was really interesting that Longmire came out and said that he thought that we over handballed and like horse gets a hard on every time we have a handball so for him to actually say hey guys you are handballing a bit too much like that just pretty much shows you the level of football it was um, 
aside from that, look, I really think Collingwood should have won. Um, we got lucky. Like, they forgot how to kick. They had a legitimate goal taken off them. You know, they won the inside 50s, contested possessions, tackles, you know, pretty much all of the stats that you look at. And, yeah, I don't know. I just thought we got a bit lucky, and I don't know what the hell has happened to Sydney. But, yeah. Hopefully it we was, can find it. was swans like hashtag. We've been on Swans like for a number of weeks now. It's, it's kind almost of becoming Swans like. Mm. That being said, I think in a few weeks' time, when we can get it, knock on wood, because we've lost another couple. But I really do think right now, going forward, obviously we need we're is screaming for Buddy to be back. Like, not only is he probably the best disposal we have going forward in our team, he provide structure and another defensive forward option simply due to his tackling. But the player who I really think we're missing at the moment is Ben Glynn. It wasn't a coincidence a few weeks ago when he came on against Adelaide, our pressure was up and we were up and running. He's may not be the best player on our team, but he'd be close to being one of the first picks at the moment just due to the defensive pressure he um, gives and his disposal, like, isn't the best, but it's always going forward. He doesn't chip around side to side. Yeah, look, he's um, he. I, I think he's important to the structure because he provides, you know, a, a couple of things. And one of the, and one of those things is just heart. But I don't know whether you guys noticed. Uh, might have been. I'm pretty sure it was the third quarter. I, um, I'd have to go back and have a look at it, but. Even in that third quarter, I, I know um, Hannah's gave up a chase. Like he mightn't have got there, but he just gave up. You know, you look at a guy like Puapolo, he just would have kept going. He doesn't care if he's twenty metres behind him; he just keeps going just in case. And at least McGlynn brings that enthusiasm. Hello, Mark. I'll finish the word he was going to say. It was enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vaughn, I, I wanted to actually mention a few weeks ago you were talking about Brandon, Brandon Jack. Jack. Yes. And yes. he had a great game on the weekend. Two goals, a goal assist, provided five tackles, four of them inside the forward 50, only one clanger and went at 80% disposal efficiency. Well done. You're the first person <laughs> on our board to call it. No. Like, let's be honest, it was pretty just, it was pretty fluky. I still remember Milky saying that the day Brandon Jack comes in and plays a good game for us, we're truly fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what you take out of that. Look, Brandon Jack was really good. Um, I thought that even in the games he did play and a few people thought he wasn't as good, I thought, you know, like he got himself in good positions and over time that hopefully would have translated to goals and, and getting his hands on it a bit more. But you know, like his ability to kind of be that small forward presence um, was really great, especially now that they've, you know, decided that Horny Fahini is um, going to be a tall forward, our full forward. No no so, complaints there. He is no a sexy beast and we can play him at fullback and he'd be the next season Silvani. Now, I also wanted to mention, um, how would you go about our midfield at the moment? We're all talking about all these issues and everything we're having through it. And if you look at our midfield players' numbers, it doesn't actually look to be that bad. We've got, for instance, 
looking on paper, Jared McVeigh had 34 disposals on the weekend. You go back a year, if McVeigh gets 34 disposals, we generally win by about 40 points. Kennedy, 35 disposals. Hanabry, 31. Mitchell, 41, and probably one of his better oh, games for the club. Oh, he's going to get for that. How dare he get 41? I know. Like, absolutely shocking. <laughs> How much do you want to bet? How much do you want to bet that he's going to be um, the sub next week? I'm not willing to bet on that. <laughs> but 41 disposals, 8 tackles. Five clearances, one goal, one with a goal assist, and he was involved in eight scoring chains out of our 21 goals. I'd like to say that's a fairly substantial effort from Tommy Mitchell there. Relatively good game. Look, it's I'm actually quite mad at Mitchell. It's not the 60 points that we're used to in the NAFL. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't um, quite. He was, on, he, was doing pretty, he was on 28 at half time. Quieting down a little bit in the second half. He's the main thing about Mitchell, and something I've been like very happy with. Like, there's lots of perception that, that Mitchell is a pretty bad kick, but he's actually not that bad a kick. It's more just um, he he's feels always like under he's pressure. Rushed. Yeah, and so because he feels so rushed, he just kind of turns around his body and swings it on the boot. But he has more time, and I think there's been a really drastic improvement over the past few weeks with his disposal efficiency. I don't know if the stats back that up, but I just feel like when he has it now, I'm, I'm less kind of, you know, worried, less cringing, and his hands are just sublime. His so, hands around the packs are amazing. Like, um, right now, I think... Okay, you can't really dispute Kennedy as being the number one clearance player at this one still. As good as Mitchell is, he's not that good around the packs yet. But after after Kennedy, he'd have to be the best person at extracting the ball in our club, except for perhaps Parker, who's now... <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, no, I, I agree with you. Um, Kennedy's... I don't know. Kennedy's influence. I think I the know, issue with Kennedy is like clubs have worked him out. Great, sorry, you go. I think the main issue with Kennedy right now is look, his numbers haven't dropped off. 14 clearances on the weekend, a bunch of tackles. The main issue with Kennedy is, and especially around 2012, he get the ball out of the pack, which wasn't the issue. But after he got the ball out of the pack... He would whack it on his boot, and we'd hope. Teams are generally setting up a zone around one disposal out of the contest from us now. It's, yeah, and on top of that, Kennedy's... Has his field kicking gotten worse, or is that just me? His field kicking was never brilliant. No, but it's gotten worse. It's gotten to the point where, like, I almost feel like it doesn't really matter if he gets a clearance or a disposal, because it's just going to be incredibly ineffective. He, he just whacks on the boot and hopes. He's always been like that. The, the main issue is, a few years ago, we want, there wasn't as many zone defences, so you kick it on the boot, you generally get it to a 50-50. Or we'd have players running up at the ball or into space with Jetta. Right now, you kick it one disposal forward as the clearance with the Swans, and you've got another pack there because people are just dragging opponents to the ball. Until we can find a way maybe to get 
him using his hands a little bit more, which he was trying a little bit on the weekend, and we can get it to a outside running option like perhaps Hanabry or Jetta. He's going. He's going to have his influence curtailed a little bit in games. He's still a very valuable player. He's just not as valuable to our team as he was a few years ago with the way football's currently played. Mm. And on top of that, Hannah's, um, I've heard a few reports that he was injured. Yeah. I don't um, know if there's any truth in that, something about ribs. And just for people who are listening, it's not Bonds and I deciding to monopolise the conversation. We're having some connection issues with Mark. So trying to that's get why back you're in. hearing our lovely... Our lovely tones more and more. <laughs> that being said, we may as well start discussing the match against GWS on the weekend. Um, look, GWS, they've been pretty good team at times this year. Um, they've got similar consistency issues to us. The only difference is, at least when they're inconsistent, they score. Um... It's going to be an interesting matchup, especially with their forward line, because their forward line is extremely potent. You've got several players everywhere who can pop up and kick goals. For instance, on the weekend, you had Reese Palmer kicking five goals. Mm. Yeah, it's... Who did they play last weekend? Port Adelaide. So they lost That's by right. about they, 20 they points. They so many injuries, wasn't that right? Yeah, they had a fair few throughout the game. But you're looking at, um, you look at their team. You've got Ryan Griffin, who's kicked goals from the midfield throughout his entire career. Yeah, Jack Steele can pop up with goals. Whitfield, we've seen kick goals before. Denvin Smith, when he's on his game, is one of the most dangerous small forwards in the league. And then you've got, obviously, Jeremy Cameron, who, God knows, if he's on his day, I feel sorry for Richards. Um, Cam McCarthy, who I think we should be able to basically keep in line. And then you've got Jonathan Patton, who's coming back from injury as well, and that's another tall forward option. When you add in their midfield, they're actually really dangerous. I'm feeling quite happy right now that they don't have... Except in Mumford playing for him. <laughs> because if they did, I would be terrified about this I'm game. I'm already terrified. Not not because of GWS. I don't I know it's gonna sound a little bit silly. Like I know that they have a very um, good team that, that can play I know you say they're inconsistent, but they they are able to produce four quarters of football. Like they've definitely moved past that stage now where I have to start thinking of them as an actual football club and not as like, you know, a random piece of shit. Um, Greater waste of space. Yeah, there you go. Greater waste of space. Um, My biggest issue right now is I just don't really understand where the Swans are at. Like I I have no idea how to gorge how we're going to go against GWS because I feel like... We have so many game plan and personnel issues and now a little bit of injury. I genuinely feel like our team next week is going to be unsettled and um, playing it spotless, which is actually not spotless and it's actually quite dirty. Anyway, playing it spotless, I genuinely think that GWS are going to beat us. Just because we're not that, you know, settled. And Welcome, welcome back, back, Mark! Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, uh, I've got a big issue with GWS this week, um, and it's worrying the hell out of me. Uh, mathematically, they now can't make the eight. 
or if it's if it's mathematically possible, it's so improbable that it doesn't matter. Um, any choke factor is now out of it for them. Um, they know their season's gone. Um, I know that they yeah, hate us. We hate them. All of that. All of that stuff goes into it. But now that they can play free. Uh, they don't have to worry about what's what's going on in their season. All they have to worry about is beating Big Brother, and and that's a that's a big bonus for us this weekend. I would much have rather to play them with something on the line. I still think uh, that uh, that little bit of experience, that hardness that we have, uh, you know, stands up in those games. Now that it's just a, a free for all, uh, anything anything could happen. And you know, they're uh, they they're not a bad side, and they've got some skill. Uh, they've got some important outs, so have we. But you know, geez, I, I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a real fifty-fifty game. This, um, dare I say it, a danger game. <laughs> if only Punts was here, he'd be ask so proud a serious of Serious question though, like maybe this is. Look, I know the benefits of going into top four, going into September, making finals, all of that stuff. But is anyone else just really? disillusioned with the upcoming final series like it's actually really quite depressing that we are fighting for a top four spot with Richmond who are not ninth and Western Bulldogs who are playing awesome football with their youth not like you know whatever and our list is currently the second oldest in the league and I don't know like I just feel like even if we do make top four we're kind of just making up the numbers like I always believe that a team paces itself, but not to the extent where you can turn around a 180 and change a game plan and, you know, get players we did have We did have a bit of a lull before this point in time in previous years before we finished top four. In 2012, we had a drop-off for a bit of time as well. Right before finals, I think we lost three out of our last four before peaking. So I don't think it's out of the question that we can turn it around. We'll just need a lot. And I mean a lot. But we showed enough. Like in 2013 and 2012, 2014, like we didn't have issues scoring. Like, yes, we would have just weird games where we would play terribly, but the foundation for the structures and everything was set. Like if you compare 2015 Sydney to any of those years Sydney, it's a completely – it's an older side that's slower with shit youngsters and maybe shit's unfair but they're just really inconsistent we can't rely on a Cunningham can't rely on a Lloyd and Jones well Cunningham isn't really a youngster he's like 24 now yeah but he's so he's he's kind of in and out of the team last year I thought I from memory he's been good in recent weeks I think he was far from our worst against Collingwood and he was decent the week before he was decent but the problem with Cunningham is that like he'll have a few good weeks and then like the next week he'll just be afraid of the football you just don't know which Cunningham's going to turn up. Well, the, the worry for me is when you look at the table, we're just surrounded by everyone that, that's beaten us. Yeah we, yeah, we did beat the Hawks early in the year, but that was a, you know, ugh, yeah, we, we got there. And it was they a deserve great, to win that. Yeah, it was a great win. Don't, don't you know, I'm, I'm not going to... I mean Hawthorne. Hawthorne deserved to win. Pro, 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 probably, but we did. You know, and I'm not going to take it away, but... You know, we know what happened in the uh, the second time around. Like they made us look second class. It was just embarrassing watching it, and the rain really stopped a hundred point defeat. You know, I reckon if it hadn't had that little bit of a drizzle at the end, they would have got the ton over us. But I, uh, you know, can can we beat Fremantle over there? Can we beat the West Coast anywhere? Yeah, can we beat Hawthorne anywhere? Western Bulldogs, you know, maybe Richmond. Well, you know, 
we, you know, we, you know, they gave us a 32-point head start and knocked us off at home. You know, I'd, I'd be confident of beating North, just simply because, you know, Lord North, but, you know, the Crows, you know, still, I, I know we, we touched them up at the SCG, but they're going all right. Cats have just beaten us, you know. Shit, I, I just can't see any real good news coming along, you know what I mean? I understand. I, I still have faith we could possibly turn things around before September. I think that's called delusion, and you should probably get some, like, medication. <laughs> More medication? I want a fair few <laughs> pain meds right now. It's a good luck. I, I, I agree with you that anyone can beat anyone in a final. I just don't think what we're bringing to the table now, just on exposed form, if, if you had to have a betting market for the top four, um, you know, in, in, you know, let's say we make the top four. There's Frio, West Coast, Hawthorne and us. We'd have hey. Frio. Who would be the outsider in that to win the flag? It would be us. It, it would be, and it would be us by a long way. You know, I wouldn't put my money on us at, at the moment. You know, it might change. It might change, and I think that... It'll change if, like, Hawthorne fold tomorrow and, like, West Coast decide that they can't be bothered scoring and Frio decide to like, bore everyone to death. I just can't see any... Anyway, <laughs> there's always been the complaint the podcast is really pessimistic. I'm trying to bring the positivity. We're turning it around. Game on. Do we just lose Mark again? Potentially. <laughs> He's about as consistent as Sydney. <laughs> well, good. we may as well start finishing it off there. Vaughn, um, your best scenario, doomsday scenario, and final tip for this weekend? I'll give you my ins and outs as well, because yep. I know you totally care. Um, I think Laidler might play. Um, in the report I was reading, it was a hamstring strain. Um, so that's not like an actual, you know, tear or anything. I think Laidler might play, which would be wonderful. Luke, obviously, <laughs> too soon. Um, I don't know if Bird, and we've copped some injuries as well, so maybe we might get a chance to see, like, you know, Rose, who was actually emergency last week. So we might get to see some new players, which is always really exciting. Even if we lose, like, it's really always good to see what the next generation of Swans players are like. There's some positivity for you all. Um, okay, on to my doomsday. Actually, no, what was the first one? Best case scenario. Best case and doomsday. Okay, well, best case scenario is, like, Luke Parker just suddenly is fine again, miraculously. And doomsday scenario is pretty much what is happening right now. Um, so reality. And I think my margin is GWS by, like, three goals or something. Is Buddy tip to come back? Yes. Okay, well... GWS by, like, two goals. <laughs> okay, well, my ins and outs. Um, ins, McGlynn, Buddy and Rose. Out, Laidler, Parker and Pike. Didn't look right on the weekend. Um, didn't warm up. Rose is warming up. I think there's something still wrong there. So I think Rose will get his debut and will mostly use Tippett as a rucking option. Who I actually don't mind in the ruck. After that, um, Doomsday, GWS beating us by about 40 points, and another injury, Buddy getting ruled out for the year. Don't, just don't. Um, best case scenario, and I'm really hopeful and it's happening, Lou Parker's injury is only a four-week injury and he comes back for finals, probably a prelim, 
after we make a great upset victory over Fremantle in the first week of finals because Western Bulldogs choked and missed the top four. And we win by about 80 points this weekend. In all seriousness, so my... My... How do we win by 80 points on the weekend when we can't even score 80 points? <laughs> it all... would literally have to score zero. It would The final margin would be 80 to zero for that to happen. <laughs> that is best case. Dream scenario. The pain medication talking scenario. In all seriousness, though, I think we'll win by about 30 points on the weekend. I think after GWS, they may be in a bit of shell shock after their loss on the weekend and their season being on the basically over. So I do, and I do think we will rebound a little bit with McGlynn and Franklin back in the side. I think they'll really straighten us up, give us a few more options, and we'll look a lot better for it. And I do think we'll win probably by around 30 points. I think we'll start adding some form towards September and hopefully get on a little bit of a run. I, I like us being the outside chance at the top four. I reckon... Why not? Let's do it as the underdog this year. All right. Well, I think you're nuts. Um, so, yeah. Don't worry, guys. We may be nuts, but I'm moderator, and if anyone mentions it on the board, I will hand out bans. When you're on the board. Which when is I am on the board. Keep going, guys. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, everybody, and have a great night.